0: Good morning, baby ducks of nursing. Um, It is Friday. It is time for my weekly episode. Uh, This is episode five. And what I want to talk about today is a good death. So I know that that is a strange concept to those people that are not in healthcare. But, you know, there is such a thing as a good death. What does that look like? What is a good death? Well, actually, that's something that the patient has to define uh, for themselves, you know, um, because it can mean different things for different people based on maybe their culture, their religion, um, their own personal beliefs, their fears, their anxieties on what they believe um, represents a good death. It's a very personal thing and it's a walk that only the patient goes through uh, themselves, but hopefully with support of medical personnel and also their family and friends or whoever is supporting them. But definitely the patient is gonna define what they want that to look like. Most people want a death that is free from pain. Some people would like to be surrounded by their family uh, or their friends or the people that are important to them. Uh, some people, you know, a good death to them is just uh, maybe what's important to them is what their funeral will look like, uh, what their funeral or some some uh, people call it a home going. Um, so some people think on that aspect of it. But whatever it is to the patient, we should be trying to help facilitate their perception of a good death. So, how do we begin to do that? How do we facilitate our patient having a good experience as far as them being uh, in a terminal state? So, first of all, we can't shy away from the inevitable. We have to acknowledge that the patient is in a terminal state and that they are, in fact, going to pass away, that they are going to die. Um, We need to ask the patient, have they thought about their demise and what do they define as a good death? You know, what how would they like to handle it? How would they like to go into that? So we have to have those tough discussions, those tough talks. And the best way to do that is to be forward. You know, uh, the patient is not um, remiss from knowing that they are dying. You know, most terminal patients are very aware of their situation. Now, some of them are not ready to discuss it. And I'm not saying that you need to push it on them, but there needs to be a discussion. And sometimes we need other people to help facilitate those conversations if you do see resistance. Um, see if the patient is open to talking to clergy uh, or a counselor if they need to do that. But the de- discussion definitely needs to be open. And if they are open to the discussion, we need to help plan. Uh, once we have found out what the patient wants, you know, if, they, if they're if uh, they Number one thing is to be free from pain, then we need to try to facilitate that. Uh, Hospice, and I am biased to hospice because I worked for hospice for many uh, several years, and hospice is an excellent tool and palliative care to make sure that people um, move from this plane of life to the next and however they believe. So we want to um, maybe get a hospice consult, uh, get them involved. Make sure that you're discussing things with the whole team, the whole interdisciplinary team. You know, if the patient is still getting certain therapies, you know, is that still appropriate? You know, these are conversations. A lot of times, you'll see um, healthcare personnel. That are following orders all the time. You know, if if the if there was an order for it, we need to be doing it. But do we? Do we need to be doing it? You know, those are the things that we need to look at as a whole team of healthcare professionals. So, you know, as the healthcare team, we need to collaborate with one another and then formulate a plan that involves the patient, that involves their family or their friends, or whoever is important to them. And then The important part about involving the family and friends is that we stick to the plan. If the patient has a plan that they want to be a do not resuscitate, a DNR, then we need to make sure that we stick with the plan and that the family at the last moment, if the patient becomes incapacitated and can't speak for themselves, that the family is not gonna deviate from the plan once they get, become afraid or they get stressed or, you know, because now they see the patient in maybe uh, a plane of distress. Um, so we need to make sure that at the last minute, they're not gonna deviate from a plan. And you probably are saying, well, how do we do that? If the family is panicking, then, you know, what do we do? Well, to prevent that panic, everything is about a lot of education we need to educate our patient um, as far as their condition you know some patients are terminal and it really hasn't been explained to them in that aspect that's why we need to have conversations right we definitely need to have those same conversations with the family present so that everybody is on the same playing field everybody understands where the patient is at where they're going what their prognosis is we need to educate them on what to expect if the patient is dying. There are certain things that the patient and the body is going to go through that are inevitable. Some patients experience them, some patients don't, but we need to prepare the patient and we need to prepare their loved ones on what they may see so that when it happens, it doesn't induce panic and we start to deviate from the plan. If the patient's true desire is to not be coded and they be a do not resuscitate, we need to try to honor that as best as possible. And we need to make sure that the pa- the family is going to know what that is going to look like. So we got to do a lot of education. We need to make sure that we are managing the patient's symptoms when they are dying. So we need to, because that can be very scary, a lot of patients uh, start to produce a lot of secretions, you may hear a lot of gurgling, uh, the patient may look like they're gasping for breath. We need to explain to the family that that may occur, but we also need to manage those systems, uh, symptoms. rather. We don't want the patient to be in any kind of distress if we can prevent it. So we need to plan as a team, as a healthcare team, to try to manage those symptoms, have the medications available. You know, again, this is the whole team. So pharmacy is gonna be involved. Nurses are gonna be involved. Providers are gonna be involved. You know, even um, AIDS are usually sometimes at the bedside for hospice care. You know, we need to teach the family when and how to give the medications to do symptom management, because if we manage the patient's symptoms, we can reduce fear and anxiety in the family and also in the patient. If the patient is still very aware, we don't want them anxious and we don't want them being fearful as they transition. We definitely need to make sure that the patient has a support system and how a method of how they are going to cope. Um, as they transition, as they maybe progressively decline. So, what support system do we have? We should establish that very early on. You know, who is going to be with the patient, surrounding the patient? Who can we count on? Who can we call that is going to be there for the patient? Um, some people, unfortunately, don't have anybody. So, that support system may be the healthcare team, but we got to make sure that we identify and make sure that we have those people in place as things come up. And then what happens once the patient transitions? And hopefully we have provided them uh, with what they wanted. We have provided them with a good death, a good transition out of this world. Um, If we've done that, then now what happens after that? You know, the people that are left behind, all the ones that gave that support and care, sometimes even the healthcare team. You know, if we are, uh, especially people that are in long-term care or uh, hospice teams that have worked with the patient for a while, you know, there's a natural thing in humans if you're compassionate that you become attached sometimes to certain patients. And we need to have a plan in place for post-care, especially for the family members. You know, just because the patient dies doesn't mean that we're done taking care of things. We often need to make sure that the the patient's family is cared for and their friends are cared for after. And I know when I worked for hospice, we definitely did that. our pastoral care members and counselors would follow up with the family members uh, especially if there were children involved follow up with the family members uh, and make sure that they were still good they were given aftercare and things like that you know a lot of times a funeral is the way that we say goodbye you know and some people if they're cremated you know uh, you know, what deciding what to do with the remains afterwards. Again, that should be all in that plan of with the patient. What are we going to do, you know, all the way through. So what I'm trying to say is a good plan can facilitate a good death. But I also believe patients that are in acute care, if, um, you know, they are, are uh, very gravely ill, you know, I took care of a lot of people in the ICU and I was always very diligent making sure that I gave people pain medication. Just because the patient is sedated does not mean they're not in pain. Um, I would make sure that there were orders for pain medication, you know, so we need to do our best and advocate always for our patient. I don't think that is ever any doctor's intention not to provide pain medication, but sometimes They are managing so many other things going on with the patient. That's why we work together as a team. You know, you may need to uh, gently ask the physician, hey, can we get some pain medication for this patient? You know, make sure that you're doing a good assessment and noting if the patient is probably in pain. We want to make sure that we control that. And, um... And you know, if the patient inevitably passes away that we've done our best to facilitate that they've had a good transition uh, without a lot of distress or pain. So I believe there is such a thing as a good death. And I think that it is definitely a huge nursing responsibility and a responsibility of the healthcare team to facilitate that, especially in our terminally ill or uh, very critically ill patients. Um, please, um, this will conclude my my uh, my uh, talk for today. But I would definitely encourage you to please send me in ideas um, about anything that you would like for me to discuss. Those ideas can be sent to dear Mika. That's D E A R mika m-e-k-a at yahoo.com you can send any ideas um i am going to try to start doing these maybe on um, facebook live or also maybe on a youtube channel i'm looking into that right now because I know sometimes people would just like to put a face with things that are, are going on. But if you could please send me in some more ideas. Um, this is, again, I am doing this for the encouragement of new and novice nurses to maybe help guide them in their practice of some things that they may be into that they're not sure about. Um, please send me your ideas. If there's a particular topic that you want me to discuss, um, I still do have some topics from a young lady that sent in to me and I, and I am weekly going through her topics and going to give you some information on those. So thank you for listening. I hope you tune in next week. If you haven't listened to my other, uh, podcast, please go back to them on anchor and listen, um, And I appreciate you listening in. Thank you.